Following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is the radio show where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Dr. Franklin Weefald in studio. Hello, sir. Hello. It's a great day. You think so? Well, yeah, because I'm trying to get people to realize the world's not coming to an end. It's just not. It's not. And we have a lot to be thankful for. Yep. And we need to change our mode of thinking. There's a study that has to do with whether people are happy or not. And I have to admit, I disagree with your take on it. We'll okay. hear from you on this in just a little bit. But apparently, people in the United States of America are not happy. And they should be. I don't know. I, they you know, should be. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about contact tracing. Our first guest is Dr. Joshua Maycumber, an interventional cardiologist with Kerry Cardiology. Doctor, welcome to the show. It is very good to have you on the air. No, thank you. How are you, Josh? Good, thanks. How are you, Frank? Listen, I lent you 10 bucks a couple weeks ago. Do you think you have that? <laughs> anyway, just full disclosure, yeah. um, Josh is my main man. So if somebody in my practice needs to have an intervention, which we call a stent, yeah, um, not only on their heart, but he does legs and arms and every appendage you could possibly think of. So there are other places where you could yeah, put a vascular. stent? Yeah, vascular. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and so um, I'm going to be real nice to Josh, not only because I really like him. He's one of my best friends. But people should know um, they did a, a survey of the top-rated interventionalists in Raleigh, and he was numero three o. Now, I put him number one, but he yeah. was number three. And it was pretty close, a couple points. But his whole group's great. We've had Dr. Netrebko mm-hmm. on, and he's his partner. Josh, we've got a couple questions for you. And the big thing that we heard about was the decrease in what they call STEMIs, uh, the worst kind of heart attack where you've got to have an immediate stent. So the last few months, what did you see personally in terms of the number of heart attacks you had to fix? Um, yeah, it was very interesting in late March and early April when they shut down all the elective procedures. The hospitals really just kind of emptied out. Uh, but what kind of surprised us around the same time was the uh, emergency heart attack patients coming in seemed to fall off quite a bit as well. Well, the good news is you got more sleep. Uh, and I guess the good news is people weren't having heart attacks. Now, there are two theories. Okay, One theory is people were sitting at home having heart attacks and not going to the hospital, right? afraid of having COVID. The other theory, which I call the WeFall theory, and that is because inflammation is what causes heart attacks. So you have this little you know, chocolate cherry that's about to burst and yeah. inflammation melts the outer covering. The cherry pours out or the liquid pours out and it causes a clot. And if you're not out and about shaking hands and breathing on each other, the normal viruses that we exchange aren't present and your inflammation goes down. So the question to Josh is, are you seeing now people coming out of the woodwork with really bad hearts because they didn't get their uh, heart attack taken care of? 
I don't think we saw as much of that. Yeah, you know, heard a few you know episodes where people stayed home with uh, you know pain in their legs and ended up with an amputation because they didn't come in early. So you've seen that? You've seen some bad legs that needed to be chopped off? Right, yeah. Um, So that was kind of one of the unfortunate ones where if they'd come in earlier, probably Uh could have saved a leg, but they stayed at home. But now Uh, you are seeing an uptick in these bad heart attacks, right? Yeah, since the, I don't know, around May 8th, I think when they lifted lifted things uh, over the last three or four weeks, just the general unassigned heart attack call has been really back to its normal busy level, which really for a four or five week period seemed to have calmed down quite a bit. Would you say it's busier than it was, say, in January, or you say it's just come back to that level? It seems back to normal in my experience. I'm on call several days a month for unassigned, so it's, you know, it's a small sample size, but I think in general just the, you know, the ICUs were much emptier in March and April, and, you know, so you see other other heart attack patients come in, they stay in the ICU for a day or two before they go out to the floor, but those were very empty, and those are all much more full again, and these are not the COVID ICUs, they're, you know, the general ICUs, so. This is Dr. Jason, or sorry, Joshua Maycumber, uh, interventional cardiologist with Cary Cardiology, and I've got a question for you, because I think that if we've got a weefold theory of the reduction in you know, heart attacks. Here's the Alexander theory. I went to my doctor a couple years ago and said, you know, when I climb up stairs or I cross uh, a big parking lot, I tend to get chest pain. Discomfort. Yeah, it's discomfort. It's a burning. Well, I was in on a Tuesday. They wanted me there Wednesday for stents. Okay. And they, they didn't even bother with a stress test. Right. Don't you think that there's some people just not stressing themselves? It's the couch corollary. Yeah, that's true. But, see, these these emergency heart attacks, and Josh can fill you in on this, that's a sudden onset thing. So, you know, the kind of blockage you had, which we call a tight blockage, that's a a complex of cholesterol and calcium that prevents flow. Heart attacks are when you have maybe a, a moderate blockage that wouldn't normally cause chest discomfort, that just ruptures, and the clot forms, and it cuts off entirely the flow of blood, and that's the killer. Yeah. So, you know, I, Josh, what do you think? Do you think um, people sitting around being couch potatoes prevented uh, people from having heart attacks? What do you think? Um, I don't know that, yeah, it's, I don't, usually exercise, it doesn't you know, cause heart attacks. You know, I think people were still walking around in their house and, and doing things, but, um, you know, it, it probably would lean more towards the, you know, the exposure to other people and inflammation side of things and being a couch potato, yeah. um, preventing heart attacks. Yep. How long have you been at this? You've been, what, in Raleigh since, what, 97? Uh, no, I finished training in Massachusetts in 2003 and then moved down here in 2007. 2000. Yeah, I get, my, years. I get my decades mixed up. But um, <laughs> you've seen a great deal of change uh, in the technology. What do you say? What would you think the biggest change is? Is it this measurement of the actual measurement of blood flow across the blockage? If you can explain what that is, fractional flow reserve? Or do you think there's something else that technolo- technologically has changed the way you practice? Um, that's a big part of it. You know, I think 
a lot of people have plaque, and anytime you do an imaging study, you see a certain amount of cholesterol buildup, and everybody's got it, and some of it looks kind of borderline. So um, the use of uh, of uh, a pressure wire, which can assess the yeah, the so what it, it the measures the yeah, it measures pressure. the flow, right? The, you have higher pressure. Uh, ab- above the plaque and then lower pressure below the plaque and in a certain yeah, way. You actually got a, yeah, you got a little tiny wire in there that's measuring blood pressure inside the artery. I like this. Yeah, and so then you can decide whether or not to, to squash it or not. We have what's called so the ocular... Added, I'm sorry, go ahead, John. I'm saying we just had numerous studies that you know show that if the pressure stays good beyond a plaque, then people tend to do well with medical therapy. Yeah. Um, if the pressure really falls off, then they're at much higher risk for heart attack and tend to Need intervention. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, to me, Josh, and I, do, correct me if I'm wrong, my practice has completely changed. And, and Josh knows this because when I was going to the hospital, um, I basically did a heart cath on just about everybody who had a positive stress test. And I, what's the name of that study that came out that showed, look, you know, medical therapy is, is just as good as a stent unless you have critical symptoms. And so, you know, I mean, I've had a couple that maybe slipped through and got sicker than I thought they were. But, gosh, I would I have stress tests on Wednesdays, 15 of them. And yeah. I would say 10 are positive. I mean, really positive. And their what? symptoms aren't that bad. By positive, that, that means, means they got a good? blockage. Oh, that, they, yeah, right. positive, bad. Negative's All good. All yeah, right. and, uh, it's a typical WeFall thing. It's the opposite of what you think. But anyway, so I treat these people medically, and I get their cholesterols way down. And I get their blood pressures under control. And now that I'm not going to the hospital, I have more time. I correct their sugars and and everything. And mm-hmm. and you know what? They're doing great. And so, I mean, Josh, you, has that changed your practice too? Are you doing less cardiac catheterizations and stents than you were, say, five years ago? Yeah. No, I almost sometimes think the, the percentage of stents may go up a little bit because people are more screened now. Yeah. You know, so you get people that uh, by the time they get to me, they've, Failed to anti-angel medications. They've had a high stress test. You know, a clear indication that something's wrong. So, you know, the you know, I think it's a more appropriate screening going into the whole procedure before they get started. Well, let me let me ask you. We're going to switch gears a little bit back to this COVID thing. Now, you're in the hospital just about every day, and we're hearing now that hospitalizations are going up. So, we hear from the Democrats that we're all going to die. We hear from the Republicans that it's just more testing. Now, I talked to you just a little while ago. It really is. I mean, these are COVID admissions. These are respiratory patients going to the ICU and going to the floor with difficulty breathing. Is that what – now, obviously, I don't want to name which hospital it is. I don't want to name patients. Yeah. But just in your general shtick, do you think this is true as in your experience yeah, what you're seeing? It gets confusing when you listen to the news and how many tests, how many positive, but I think the – you know, a good, harder indication is how full the hospitals are. Um, and I think a lot of people report that now. Um, but, you know, I think uh, the local hospital here, they had 10 or 12 admissions on a Wednesday and Thursday, the two days I was there, which was quite a bit more than they had earlier. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's been, I would just say that they've, you know, done a great job in preparing the hospitals. They've created isolation wards both on the floor and in the ICU. Um, so they're certainly not well overwhelmed or well stocked. And so we can handle it, even if for it everybody. Goes so those are all encouraging things. So I think the delay really allowed you know time to prepare. So they're not overwhelmed by any means, but they are seeing an uptake in the census. So I think 
whatever that bulge was of the, you know, patients with COVID, um, you know, just probably wasn't here in March in a, in a large scale, but as it's worked its way across the country, we're probably catching our bulge or wave now. So I would still, you know, advise older patients to really take the isolation and the distancing and mask wearing, you know, seriously, because this is probably, you know, when it's starting to hit this area. Yeah. Um, well, so John, it would just be as serious as you were now if you were in March or April. Yeah. Are you are you wearing masks in the office? Yeah. No, the, we, uh, at least a month ago, I think everything, we followed the hospital protocols yeah. for, you know, when they mandated the mask in the hospital, everybody here does. And we ask the patients to all wear a mask as well. You know, so you're wearing one and the patient's wearing one. Of everybody else. You're wearing one and the patient's wearing one. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. I think they just... You know, definitely decreases the risk of contamination, you know, because yeah. you, know, you see a lot of patients every day, and I don't want to give it to one of my patients. And Have you been tested? The best way for me to not do that is to not get it from another patient. Yeah. So. Have you been tested, Josh? Uh, I have not, but yeah. I haven't had any symptoms. Well, you could be an asymptomatic uh, carrier, bro. You're young and healthy. I've gotten tested three times, and I'm negative, so that's good. Yeah, but I, again, I think that's the important part about wearing a mask is you just don't know you could test negative two weeks ago and be an asymptomatic yeah. carrier this week so I think that's why really I, that's why i did it multiple times now listen there's another aspect of josh's life he has a wonderful daughter who started her first year at columbia one yeah. of the top rated uh colleges it's in the ivy league it's a great place you had to, i tried to get a hold of you one night and he calls me at like five in the morning he's on the road Driving back from New York, yeah. and they had how many? Did you had forty-eight hours to get her home. Is that right? Yeah, they. Well, uh, we were. It was the start of their spring break, so we were up in New England, and they canceled uh, the skiing. And then she got a notice that they had forty-eight hours to get their stuff out of the dorms because they were afraid at the time they were in a closed Manhattan down and need to use the dorms for their overflow for COVID beds <laughs> in Columbia. So uh, That's we a- uh, canceled their flight from Boston. Rented a suburban at the airport there, drove it down through, picked her stuff up at one in the morning in Columbia and came on down to Raleigh. So. Wow. Is she going back this fall? Have they decided yet or have they given you the notice? As far as uh, I know, I think there's they get their final word on July 1st. But, oh, uh, boy. Um, it, I can't even begin to explain what their different rationales are for many semesters and micro courses, and, but it gets a little bit complicated. But yeah. I think they're all going to have to get tested before they go back. Wow. You know, for um, mandatory as part of their reentry there. So, well, listen, Josh, it's been great talking to you, uh, Joshua McHumber, Harry Cardiology, interventional cardiologist, uh, good friend, and great doctor. I'll All see right, you good. soon. All right, you guys have a blessed day. Bye bye. Thank you. You too. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we've got the uh, Hall of Shame. Uh, Doctor Fauci makes the Hall of Shame. Well, you just for blew something it. you just you just told everybody that was going to be the big surprise. Yeah, but here's the great thing about Fauci: he said so many things that it could be anything. Right, that's true. It, he's, he's given an opportunity to shame himself. All right, well, we're going all to go, the time. We're going to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's coming up. Also, your questions at 919-860-9783. 919 And guess whose question? made the governor's press conference early last week. We'll we'll tell you in just a minute on Heart Health Radio. 
This is Heart Health Radio. You can get better, stay healthy, spot medical misinformation. I think have a good time, too. Noon until I, listen, we're done I have on a Saturdays. Good time. I, this is my highlight of my week. Good. We've got Carol from uh, Vance County in Henderson on hold, but let's just talk about the shame for today. And there are eight or nine people. Well, in organizations. the numero uno yeah. shame is Dr. Fauci. Now, that's... Remember, I've shamed some people that I really like, and I really yeah. like Dr. Fauci. But I don't know if you remember in the beginning the yep. mask controversy. Yes. Where Fauci gets up and says you don't need masks, and it's not going to help prevent the spread. I mean that was one of the big things. Yes. It turns out he was lying. That he knew? He knew. That we all needed masks. Needed masks. Right. And so – the reason why he lied was because he didn't want the public buying up all the masks so the hospital workers wouldn't have them. Well, mm. I mean, what are they doing now saying for masks? Make your own. Yes. They were saying get some T-shirts. They were, there's, you can get on YouTube and make a mask out of a sock. Yes. He should have said that. He should have been honest. He should have said – because in Taiwan uh-huh. where they – killed the virus i mean they had six seven deaths yes 23 million people they all wore masks now masks the regular masks work if everybody wears them but if there are people not wearing them it doesn't work at all it's like all or none phenomenon because the masks that you make out of a sock don't protect you from them it protects them from you right so if Every all the thems are protected. Then right. you are protected. So everybody needed to wear a mask. And I think there's two huge mistakes now that I realize that Fauci made. Number one was not having everybody wear a mask right away. Right. And he could have just said, "Don't buy them. Don't buy the N95s. Make yeah. your own." Yeah. And then contract tracing. I remember being in a hardware store where they were for sale with a big sign on him, and it was during this period of time where Fauci said, no, don't bother, don't wear them. And I could have bought a bunch. Yeah, It wasn't like two weeks later that they pulled all those masks and donated them. Right. I mean, the the Home Depot and and Lowe's did a great job. They donated to hospitals. Right. But if everyone had made a sock mask or a mask out of a neckerchief in the beginning. Right. And if everyone had been required to wear one, we would have seen the virus go away like President Trump wanted to do. All right. Let's talk with Carol from Vance County. Carol in Henderson. How you doing, Carol? I'm doing good. What did, talk, talk to me about what's going on. About um, six weeks ago, I had an ablation. Um, at a very good hospital in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, the doctor told me I looked excellent. You know, my heart looked excellent afterwards. Right. But I have to tell you, I my heart rate was almost at 200 beats a minute, and they shocked me at 50, 75, and 120 in the emergency van before I got to the hospital. But I still feel it, you know, in oh, my heart. Yeah. Is that normal? Yes, it is. Uh, six weeks ago. Let me tell you how they shock you. It, it, it's kind of shocking, actually. It is? Yeah. It was shocking. And so did they sedate you first or they just plug away? No. They, just, they hit the button, right? 
three times. Did they have to scrape you off the, the ceiling of the ambulance? It, it hurt. I was telling them, oh, please don't do that again. It yeah. hurts so bad. Well, okay, so what the shock is, it's a pad uh, that's got goo on it, and the goo is like uh, conducts electricity. Is this like all the things we've seen on TV? Yeah, but but it's a little different. Okay. Um, so the goo patch goes on your bare skin, and then there's another goo patch that goes on your back. And believe it or not, they run a current of electricity that starts on one goo patch, yeah. goes through your body, <laughs> through your heart, yeah. and then out the other side to the other goo patch. Sure. And so when I did these electively, you know, sometimes you want to shock somebody to get them back in rhythm. And we had an anesthesiologist sure. and put him out. But imagine you were really sick, Carol, because they wouldn't have done it unless they thought they had to do it right away. So right. generally, your blood pressure is low. Go ahead. So we've got one minute. Okay. She wants to know, is the feeling she's feeling now normal? I was getting there. So when you have, <laughs> when you have this electricity shoot through your body, it cooks okay. some tissue. I mean, I'm, I'm not lying. Yeah. And the way it works is it, it goes through your heart and just wipes out the normal electricity. Uh-huh. Just wipes it out, yeah. and then the normal comes back. Well, in her case, the normal didn't come back the first time. Yeah. It didn't come back the second time. They had to do it three times. Is that right? Three times. Yeah. So the third time, was it a charm, mm. or did they get you back? I did go back okay, in rhythm right. on so, my way out of the emergency van into the hospital, the yeah. first hospital I went to, and then I went on to Durham. Yeah. Right, so what gonna, I am, wait, we got time? No, not no. really. Yeah, don't see that. go away. Don't go away. Carol, we want you to get an explanation of this and, and be comforted. Also, Rose Hoban coming up next on this show. Heart Health Radio. Hard Health Radio on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. <laughs> the only phrase I'm going to take away from this radio show today is, I'm getting to it. And that would be Dr. Franklin Weefald uh, listen, promising he's going to get... We've got Carol on the phone. Yeah, get Carol, to her. Carol, we're going to talk with you in just a moment. Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Uh, but we are not done discussing your ablation. And whether yes. it's normal to hurt yeah. after you've been shocked okay. three times, six All weeks right. later. Carol, how long ago did you have the shock? And weeks. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you a question. Is it hurt when you breathe? Is it hurt to touch your skin? Does no, it... it's just my heart feels like it's been through the ringer feeling. Really? That I need to, you know, just lay low a little bit. Feeling, really? you know. is, is it like shortness of breath? Is it a fullness no, in your chest? My heart, I can still feel those shocks feeling in okay. my chest. Well, probably, yeah, probably that's normal. Um, because let me tell you, when that electricity flows through your body, I mean, it's just like being electrocuted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not it kidding. Really, yeah. And so some of the some of the stuff got cooked. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, so there's a little bit of scar tissue. There's like 17 layers. I had memorized in an anatomy class in medical school every single layer from the skin through the chest wall sure. into the heart. There's 17 layers. Yeah. So you're going to feel that for a little bit. It's not abnormal. And the best thing okay. to do. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. For me. I, do, I was, luckily, I've been told that my heart looks excellent. That's great. So you never had this AFib before? It just came on? I felt it. Uh, I, I felt it 
about three weeks before once. I felt it another time, and I called another uh, a different doctor to uh, come in. I was This happened on a Sunday. I was scheduled for an ultrasound on Monday and a monitor on Tuesday. Wow. Because of my health insurance, and this happened the day before. Wow. <laughs> Well, you do sound great. Um, I don't know if you've listened to our show. We had Dr. Nutrebko on a couple weeks ago about AFib. But listen, don't worry. But don't take a bunch of analgesics. I mean, the best thing for you to do now is to realize it's going to go away. And then start exercising. And by that, I mean, just take a walk. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, God bless you, Rose. I'm glad you Thank called. you. Thank you, uh, oh, I'm sorry. thank that you, Carol. Rose. That, was that Carol. wasn't Rose. Rose is coming up. In fact, before we get Rose on live, let me just let me just play just She's a famous. snippet of the press conference early in this week. Technically, it was Monday or Tuesday yeah. uh, with the governor, and this is what Rose asked. I had someone ask me this weekend whether you know patients are being counted as COVID patients if say they're coming in for a hip replacement and then they test for COVID and. Are they counting them as COVID patients? Joining us now live is Rose Hoban. Rose, did you get... Well, first of all, you could have mentioned our names. Yeah, we wouldn't have minded. <laughs> it, would have, it would have been all right yeah. if you had said governor. Yeah, what you should have said was, I was right. talking to two palookas. Yes. Yeah, who were hassling me on the radio. Right. And so <laughs> i got to ask this question. <laughs> all right. Rose, well, it's, a, it's a it's a worthwhile question, right? If there's a question, it's no, best and, to get some clarification. Yeah, and so what did he say? Well, there's a couple things. Um, one, is, well, I also asked this question of of a friend of mine who's a pulmonologist at UNC's ICU, and I asked him what are the admission criteria um, for, for example, for ICU admission for COVID patients, and he said. They're coming to the ICU when they need six liters of oxygen. Yeah. So that's how you get to the ICU from being, um, you know, in the regular hospital or as you and I know it, being on the floor. Okay. Um, so, and there are some folks who are getting diagnosed once they come into the hospital, but he said that at, at UNC, for example, it's just last week that they started testing every patient for COVID. So, you know, folks who've been coming in, and ending up on the floor for COVID, at least in this system, were primarily folks who were coming in with shortness of breath, hypoxia, right. you know, low low oxygen levels. Now, there might be some folks who now that they're testing everyone, that they're, like you said, coming in for a cardiac reason or coming in for a hip, and they're saying, hey, hey, you know, you've also got COVID. But, um, but the ICUs so, are full. I mean, they really, I mean, well, I think in Raleigh there's like, you know, some beds left. But like my friend Josh just said, I mean, they're coming in respiratory. And yeah, I know that yeah, UNC is getting a lot of transfers. So that may explain mm-hmm. one thing. But I tell you, no. I mean, I think we're seeing a another, I wouldn't call it a second wave or a spike, but I think we're seeing real patients come in. I mean, do you agree, Rose, that's true or no? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do agree that, that that's the case. Now, the one thing I know is that, you know, as because I've been reporting here for 15 years, I've developed contacts all over the state. So folks kind of drop me an email or they'll send me a text and they'll tell me what's going on. I do know that even though the ICUs are filling up, most of the hospitals do have contingency plans where they can, they can make other beds into ICU beds. I mean, I know that at places like Duke, they've talked about 
taking conference rooms and, uh, you know, the, the, the gym for the PT and turning them into patient care units if they need it. So most of these hospitals can surge by, you know, depending on the size, they can surge up by dozens, if not 100 or 200 beds if necessary. So it's not like we're going to run out of hospitalization spaces anytime soon, but I know that that's what the governor and, and Secretary Cohen are really trying to avoid. And this is Rose Hoban from yeah. North Carolina Health News. Dot org. I want everybody who's interested in this topic to make it a habit. First of all, you can sign up for a, a more or less a, an email press release letting you know what's on the website, but also just mm-hmm. go for the daily update or the you know almost every day update from the North Carolina Health News staff. And if you Google North Carolina Health News, make sure you end up at NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Uh, one other thing um, for Rose, and this is the, the the fundamental question that I really have: is that are we going to forget about this and and let let the you know not forget about it, but are we going to move on to other news topics and sort of? By the way, the ICs are still full. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think well, uh, you know, an outlet like ours. I'm looking down the road and I'm seeing that we're going to be doing COVID coverage for a very long time. Um, I think other outlets are starting to move on to other things. And I will say that some of my reporters are getting back to, quote, regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, we're doing that too. You know, we we had a piece this week about the sale of New Hanover Regional Hospital. So, you know, so we're, because there's other stuff going on. I mean, COVID is just the 800-pound gorilla in the room, but um, it's, there's still a lot of stuff going on in this state. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be a low, a low, a dull roar in the background for a very long time. Well, hopefully that dull roar will be the voice of Rose yeah. on Heart Health well, Radio. Your cotton socks. Hey, listen, this is your assignment. We're going to have a theme song for you. So you got to come up with one. My oh, suggestion is the song Roses by the Chainsmokers. How's that? <laughs> that's a there's some irony in there yep we've cut off <laughs> the possibility that yellow rose of texas would be and that's not we're not yeah, doing that no and there's a great yeah. song that that dr Weefault says would not work which is the rose he says it's too sad sad it is kind of sad, yeah, it is I, kind of sad. I, I, i'm with him on that rose, um, thank you have you. a great week and if you thank ever you so much if you ever ask a question that this idea came from here, yeah, mention us. Remember, okay. it's Frank and Dave. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I can do that. Frank and Dave, two Frank palookas. And, all right, two palookas. Thank you, Rose. Bye-bye. Rose Hoban. Right, thanks very much from North Carolina Health News. Now, I still feel it. It's fun when a question we ask gets there, but you know, I. I our regular reporters do that all the time. It's maybe, not a, maybe, such a big maybe deal. Maybe I should show up with yes. a Clark Kent hat and the press pass yes. and that thing yes. with the big dark glasses and this, just go pull out the Superman and say my question. I, if, if we had the time, we could. Hey, listen, let's move on to a totally different subject. I can't believe you – this didn't fit in the shame thing. You actually visited a website called treehuggers.com. I did. And they reported that eating mushrooms is what? Good for you? Uh, yeah, I think everyone would agree that <laughs> eating a mushroom, is, except for poisonous mushrooms, sure. do not go out 
and eat mushrooms out of the woods unless you are an expert at mushroom. Right. But they're declaring now that if you eat mushrooms three or four times a week, you're not going to have Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> now, how did they figure this out? They went back and they said, okay – uh, they went to these Alzheimer's patients and they said, did you eat mushrooms? <laughs> no, and then they, they no. went to these other patients no. who could remember that no. they didn't eat mushrooms. And the ones who said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I ate mushrooms. Huh? Yeah. Did you eat five a day? No. Yeah, yeah, I ate five a day. So, you know, don't go out and eat mushrooms because you think you're not going to get demented. Yeah. And the point is there may be something in a mushroom that helps. Mushrooms may help. But these – articles are to be avoided because it might be you know published by the mushroom council of uh <laughs> greater um mongolia yeah Who it knows? could be yeah i mean you know you know how fat got a bad name for heart disease no well in 1964 we've talked about this before so you must not have been eating enough mushrooms to no remember. i wasn't yeah no and and so you know we got you know bacon and fat and meat that's what kills you from heart disease it turns out but that's not true. It's just not true. But those Harvard researchers in 1964 and this whole Framingham study were funded by the Sugar Council of America. Ah. And it turns out what really kills us? Yeah, White sugar. flour, sugar, you know. <laughs> and so, so the whole po- – and, you know, energy drinks, okay? I drink a five-hour energy at 6 a.m. And I yes. drink another one at 1 p.m. It's got the caffeine equivalent to a cup of coffee. Yeah. But you just get it all at one time. So what are these articles, these kids dying of drinking energy drinks? Well, they drank 20 at one time on a dare. Mm-hmm. You know who funded some of those uh, commercials or those news articles saying no. energy drinks were bad? Coke? No, the coffee companies. The coffee company. Co- yeah. They want us to drink the coffee. Coffee, not, not take energy a drinks. Right. Yeah, so. Got a question for Dr. Weefold? Call us up, 919-860-9783. The U.S. is sad. It's sad. There was and a I'm survey. Not- it's not seasonal affective disorder. And if you go to a Vietnam restaurant, now this is a restaurant in Vietnam. Right. Not Vietnamese, but they, in Vietnam. They may have added some special ingredients to the Bahami. They may have added something microscopic to it, or it just occurs naturally yeah. in the food. In the food. That's coming up on this show. 919-860-9783 on the Heart Health Radio Network. What? Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or go to WPTF.com and go up toward the word podcast, top of the screen. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Dr. Weefold has a shout out. Who are we shouting out today? Well, I got a, a great set of patients. Uh, they're the King family yeah. from Pickletown, which is what we call people from Mount Olive. Right. And Virginia and Kenneth, they're uh, a fun couple. Mm-hmm. Virginia, if you're listening, um, she did she did very well. She had a infection on her heart valve. Right. And so for six weeks, instead of putting her in the hospital, which is what we did when I first started this business, we put a, a special IV line in she could keep for six weeks, and we yeah. gave her home antibiotics. Yeah. And she's better, and now she's going to get this heart valve fixed one way or another. But then her husband... No. steps off a tractor and quote-unquote hurts his knee. So yes. He comes in. By the way, I always like, you ever heard of the by the way? You know, you're walking out the door. And, yeah. By the way, Dr. felt I hurt my knee. Well, 
I mean, he just pulled every ligament, everything. And so he's really mad at me now because I put him on crutches, made him go fit his crutches. And this is the thing for people out there. If your doctor says you need crutches, don't wing it because you need to have them fit and you need to be instructed how to use them. I developed a nerve tumor in my left armpit that is still there because I had to have crutches and I refused to go have it done right. And then he's got a knee brace on. So the King family. Yeah. Virginia and Kenneth shouts you out. You're great people. Shirley in Siler City. Thanks for calling us up. What's going on, Shirley? Oh. Hi. Hi. Uh, yes, I have a question for the doctor, please. Sure. Uh, I have a little unusual thing going on with my, I don't know if it's my heart or my chest. I just wore a heart monitor for a couple of weeks. Sure. But anyway, most of the time is when I go to the bathroom to pee, and I get this sensation in my chest that kind of tingles on out away from it, from my chest, kind of radiates out. Uh-huh. And then sometimes it moves on down lower into my stomach, and I don't have a UTI. So I was just wondering if he might give me some information that I could help my doctor with. So it's a tingling in your chest and then sometimes down into the stomach. I was telling the other, the other man that I can barely get WPTF. Uh, it's so much static on it. Uh-huh. So you might have to talk louder so I can hear the question. Oh, uh, well, just listen to your listen to the phone. Don't listen to the radio. Right. Yeah, turn off your radio. My Any, radio's off. Okay, so I guess the, the question is you feel tingling. It's just my phone now, but yeah. uh, okay. let, me, let me make sure it's off. And maybe just turn it down. Yeah, there's some, you turn it down when some I feedback. Let's see. Anyway, so there's tingling in the chest, yes. and it goes down kind into your stomach. A little bit of a burning. A burning. Um, does your heart race, too? Does it? Does it make flutters? I'm sorry, sir, I can't hear you. Oh, that's okay. Does your heart flutter do you sense extra beats uh well i have a fib okay okay well you know it's hard i do have extra beats i do have some fluttering sometimes this is usually most always maybe always when i go to the bathroom okay so you're sitting on the toilet and you're you're making number one is that right (sighs) yeah let me switch phones and see. That's if I can right. Get that's okay. It must be my voice. But anyway, so let me just go on. I'm going to assume that's right. She sits yeah. on the on the potty and makes number one, and then feels tingling right. and burning in her chest. Now, it could probably that when you go to the bathroom, make number one. There is a negative nerve response. Okay, it's called mm-hmm. a vagal response. So the positive nerve response is epinephrine. That's that's when you get all jazzed up. The negative nerve response is to slow things down and your bladder is sort of empty. What I think may be happening is that round muscle called a sphincter, which separates the stomach from the esophagus, yes, may be opening. And acid, which is normally held down by that circular muscle, right, is coming up on our esophagus. Now, I'm not diagnosing you. I'm not saying you should take anything. But you might want to go see your doctor and describe it. And ask him, is this my esophagus? And right. That's what I would put together for this. Shirley, thank you for your phone call. I put Shirley on hold so she could hear it a little bit better. But Shirley, thank you very much for your phone call. Herb in Raleigh, you are on Heart Health Radio. Yes. Uh, program is great today, thank by you. the way. Thank you. I think it's great every day, but that's... It, every time I call, it's great. <laughs> I, li- I listen to my doctor. 
I consider you my doctor now. But anyway, last week you were talking about aspirin. Yeah. And I had been taking a regular aspirin because my doctor said take an aspirin. Okay. I took a regular aspirin. You said to take the low dosage, and right. you gave the reason why right. it's coded. And would you tell why you take the, the, the covered, the coded aspirin? Because it goes from, I didn't understand it completely. Sure. Uh, it's, it's and good. I had some other people to ask me why. I said, I don't know. All right, here's why. Okay. Yes, In the stomach. The acid coats, well, there's a mucus coating over the stomach, which is um, produced by a certain enzyme that's called a prostaglandin. Okay, mm-hmm. so this prostaglandin se- helps the stomach secrete a mucus covering to protect itself from the acid it produces. So your stomach is there, produces a bunch of acid to break down that glob of meat that's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And it starts to break it down into its individual components. So when you take an aspirin, it prevents the prostacyclin from helping make the mucus. So you can burn a hole in your stomach. So when you have a coated aspirin, it has a coating that resists acid breakdown. So it passes from your stomach into your small intestine where it can break down and be absorbed and you don't need the prostacyclin there. So the aspirin inhibits the production of prostacyclin, which produces mucus, which prevents an ulcer. So it's coated, the aspirin, so when it floats through the stomach, it's not broken down. Mm-hmm. And it's broken down in the small intestine where it's absorbed in the body and doesn't cause an ulcer. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It sure does. All right. And so, And the other thing you- is the dose. 325 milligrams versus 81 milligrams. It should be 81. And it's complicated, but there's two types of prostacyclins, one that helps you and one that hurts you. And if you have too much, 325 milligrams, you prevent the one that helps you and you promote the one that hurts you. So 81 milligrams is the dose, sometimes every other day, sometimes every day, not just for the heart. It's also to prevent. Colon cancer. So we got aspirin's a miracle drug. Yes, sir. But make sure your doctor says it's safe for you to take it. Okay. Dr. Lethal, would you end your program with the Lord's Prayer? I I've do had it. so many people to comment on that. Well, you know, and let me just say, do we have any time? Yeah. Well, you know, we promised we would talk about um, the fact that the United States is sad. That's And that's what I wanted to do and then lead into. Sure. Go that. ahead. Um, you know, I don't, there's an election coming up. Yeah. And the Democrats are worried about losing. The Republicans are worried about losing. And yeah. it's easier to, to get a president out of office by making it seem like things are horrible. Now, we have had a bad couple months. You think? All right. And, and we've had something we've never had before. And the last time this happened was in 1968. But in 1968, they really focused on the riots. They focused on the Vietnam War, and they forget we had an H1N1 flu epidemic that killed 70,000 people at the same time. Right. So now we have 1968 redux. It's all over again. And everybody's mad. Everybody thinks the country's going down the wrong path. It used to be about 30% in January thought the country was down the wrong path. Now it's 60%. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you, it's not so bad. I mean, you know, we've got a great country. 
we've got the capabilities of you know continuing freedom to speak freedom to do what we want to do and i want to let you know that if you believe we've got a great healthcare system yeah we need to get more people in it if you believe that um we need to have more participation from individuals. We're running out of time. So just Our think Father about it. who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom your- come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Very good. And that is Heart Health Radio for this week. We'll be back Saturday at noon, this station. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.